This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. We here at the Proper Spin Research Center live to make our customers look respectable no matter what the numbers may say. We understand that in order for you to make money, people must feel comfortable with your product and nothing brings the masses' anxiety levels down more than an easily refutable study. For example, one customer who owns a music venue was suffering from low sales. That is until he paid us to analyze the lifespans of people who frequent live music establishments. We took a small focus group of five elderly people and all five claim they went to Woodstock. And all five are super old and should be dead. Coincidence? Our study proves that people's lifespan increases thanks to live music. One of our more wealthy customers paid to see how hazardous oil is to the pregnant mothers who ingest it. We found 70% of expectant mothers who drank oil died. Now that's a bummer. But out of the 30% who lived, 16% of the babies who made it were born with webbed toes. And out of those freaks, 4% received swimming scholarships when they grew older. And 51% of those athletes ended up in the Olympics. Yes, that's right. Drinking oil can make your baby the next Michael Phelps. Controlling the masses is easy. And the best part, we're not really lying. You need to call us. After all, four out of five people that call within the next hour won't catch leprosy. So make the healthy choice and start herding the sheep today with the Proper Spin Research Center. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I'm always joined by On the Right of Me. My name. No, no Batman voice this week. Say it right. My name is... <laughs> Brandon Gooch, on. you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And to the left of me. I'm Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jocelyn Sharp. This week, guys, we got to interview with Belasco, obviously from Ozzy Osbourne's basis, but we're here to talk about his latest podcast, A New Level, which is out now in its entirety. All 10 episodes you guys can binge on your ears. I want to make sure uh, you guys stay tuned for that interview because we talk a lot about that. Um, but before we jump into that interview with the mighty Blasco dude, we are going to talk about the Metal Sucks news. Great story this week. One of my favorite stories I've read on Metal Sucks in a while. Elderly men escape from nursing home to attend the Wacken Festival <laughs> in Germany. Now, let's break this down. This is a movie right Hans, here. Hans, I want to go to the Metal yes. Festival, Hans. This sounds like uh, Ferris. Hans, I want to go to the Metal Festival, but the nurse won't let me out. It's like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know? <laughs> Just like a montage yeah, of yeah. them breaking out of the nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> like a sequel. Yeah. Basically what it is. Yeah, exactly. Him cheeking his pills and putting them in the mattress. And by this point, too, like Matthew Broderick is old enough to be in a nursing home. So it's yeah. like if he were if you if you were a metalhead. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't I don't want him, I don't want Matthew Broderick to be a metalhead. Do bow bow. Dude, is that from Ferris Bueller? Yeah. All right. How fucking dare you? You didn't know that was from Ferris Bueller? Not a fan. What? I, we don't have to talk about that. Oh. But I'm, yeah, I'm not. It's 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 a lot of those '80s movies were just nostalgia. I just love the idea of just these old men plotting, just plotting, just because they wanted like just. I got the. I have one more time, Hans. I have to go That's into what the I mean. pit. 
And, and I have to go into the pit one more time. I've got a lot of questions, like escape from nursing home. <laughs> yeah, that's what that sounds. How intense is that? Really intense. Well, if it's German, it's probably pretty yeah. intense. Yeah, like what's what is a nursing home like in Germany? Michael, like, you shit your pants because of the version. <laughs> <laughs> Hans, 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 on the count of three. I see that scene from Tango and Cash where Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone zip line out. Just yeah. two old guys just shuffling in their house shoes down a corridor. Holding their canes above their head, running away from a nurse, a giant Helga-like nurse running behind them. Get back here. (laughs) And they escape to go to a heavy metal festival at 75,000 people. To see Judas Priest. Well, now I want to know how old know these the guys are. I got to know how old these guys yeah. are because fuck those kids for putting their young ass parents in a nursing <laughs> right. home. No, they're yeah. cool ass <laughs> parents. <laughs> they're like forty seven. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I don't need any help crossing the road. Get in there. Eat your peas. <laughs> I imagine no they, metal for you. I imagine they could be sixty or seventy. That's what I was thinking. I would say nursing home age. I would think like like you said, probably like yeah, sixties and sixty. 70. I would say seventy actually. That's what I'm saying. Like I mean, nowadays, like seventy is 70, now the new yeah. seventy is now considered kind of old. When before it was like fifty five. You know what I mean? Like yeah, things have changed. A lot of these preservatives we're pumping into our body, we're living a lot longer, you but, guys. But a lot of the times there's younger people in nursing homes because they can't, they need more help and their families can't take care of them. Mm. You know, they can't be there 24-7 to take care of them. That's assisted living. See, there's a difference yeah. to me between assisted living and a nursing home because assisted living, in a, at least in the States, you can just bounce. You don't, you don't need to, like, check out. Mm-hmm. That's like you're paying for an apartment, but you also have a nurse there. Well, so, maybe that's what the escape was about. Maybe one of them was, like, bedridden and he had to wheel out a whole gurney. Mm. Oh, or it's either that, or maybe they just uh, hid in the laundry. <laughs> the pl- and their heads pop up, yeah. the towels fall to the side. Yeah. Or they, they just, sneak out of the basement. It's either that, or they just tied themselves at the bottom of a van, like De Niro and Cape Fear. You know, hey, counselor. Next stop, I'm ready for metal. Pit. I'm ready for metal. I don't know why they why, got that. Why I, do I don't you know have why they got that. Because whatever. I was doing De Niro and Cape Fear. Come on, that's not even. <laughs> Nine. <laughs> he said counselor. I got it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't relevant. But I, you did good. Nine your mouths. Nine. That means. Know your mouths. You know that what? Means n- no. Nine your mouth. No. Because you're no, the nine, biggest culprit. Nine volume out of your mouth. See, this is every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> Every fucking time. <laughs> That's how we move on when you nine volume out of our mouths. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Next story, guys. Michael Fassbender. What? I don't know. <laughs> German. Seriously, man. Seriously. Steffi Graf. What is I'm your going. deal? That's what is your deal? Let's just stop. I don't want to edit all this out. Let's <laughs> right, keep it in. I will. For the heart. Do it, do it for the heart. Part of the show. Next story, uh, Brent Hines from Mastodon. Always, always like uh, just a, a great storyteller, but I, you never know what's coming out of his mouth is truth or, or just absolutely like kind of made up. He had a story here. I got a, a couple questions after I read the story that uh, ACDC's Angus Young uh, told Brent to quit pissing in his pocket because Brent had to escort him to stand next to him at the urinal in a bathroom? Why would he need someone to stand next to him at the these urinal? Are, these the are bathroom? questions that I have. This is nursing home shit. They were at the uh, Revolver Golden God Awards, and apparently someone said, can you, you know, liaison Angus Young to the bathroom? Yeah, let's ask the guy with the tattoo on his face. <laughs> <laughs> he looks scary enough, right? He yeah. can do it. He can do it. He looks like a Game of Thrones character. He's been in Game of Thrones. 
I mean, yes, he has. He yes. was one of the uh, White Walkers. I know. I know. I'm just saying that's that's a good liaison to the <laughs> yeah, bathroom. Yeah, why not? Someone fucks with Angus Young, <laughs> but then he, he started talking to him while he's peeing. In the, well, there is the your problem. Yeah. What are you talking to him while he's pissed? You barely know the guy. He was thanking him. Oh, what was he? Oh, he was, was thanking him. You know, he said he would have picked up a guitar. He never would have picked up a guitar if it wasn't for you, Angus Young. And then uh, Angus Young said, you know. When I heard big balls, that's when I knew I wanted to be a musician. Now I'm staring at your balls, Angus. Thank you. And then Angus said, quit pissing in my pocket. Well, maybe yeah. he was li- literally pissing in his pocket. If they were standing next to each other at urinals, maybe he turned when he started to talk. So they're, they're uh, uh, no, it's actually a saying in Australia, quit pissing in my pocket. What does that mean? It, it means, means like, stop kissing my ass? No, stop yeah, talking yeah. to me while I'm pissing. That's what it, that's what it think. <laughs> I don't, I think I'm, I'm going to go on record and say that. That's <laughs> what it, it means. I think it means stop kissing my ass. <laughs> the, uh, according to the Urban Dictionary, okay, it means to insincerely attempt to convince a person that you're doing them a favor when you actually have only your interests at heart. Oh, okay. So in other words, you're blowing smoke up. So you helped me to the bathroom just so you could suck my dick about how you love my guitar. You you took it you took it to a, a I mean like very verbally very, suck his dick. Oh, the yeah. verbal dick yeah. suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I meant like mentally, but um, like is that what he means? Or does he mean like he's lying about the fact that he's his inspiration? Nine. <laughs> Dude, I got too many questions. There's too many. many I need to know. I need. Well, and on top of that, doesn't make too, sense. And on top of that, this dude is constantly fucking with the media. Anybody who asks him a question, any interview. No, dude, Brent Hines, that's what I'm saying. He, he never gives a straight answer. He, he's always, like you said, he's always on, and he always gives an answer that, that like, it's a head scratcher. But then really, really weird things have happened to him. Like, I, I know he was hospitalized for starting a fight with Chavo from System of a Down. Like, they put him in a coma or something like that. They um, beat him into a coma? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, um, <laughs> yeah, this was a little Wake while up. ago. <laughs> So, and I, I don't remember the story. I just remember him saying, like, he took his shirt off and he, like, slapped somebody that was in Shavo's face. And so he was in a coma. Uh, he said that, you know, Jews Priest is in metal. Wow, you really skipped a lot. He took his shirt off and I slapped can't remember him. He's in the a coma. story. <laughs> yeah, <there's, laughs> like, whoa. We fast forward through a lot of shit there. <laughs> this, is, this is on you for not remembering. I don't remember this story. It, it happened, though. He was in a coma. And so, uh, because he got beat up for that. And then he said Judas Priest wasn't metal. I remember that. And now he, so he's always saying shit that you just have to be like, what's going on with, with Brandon? You got to take it with Then he's got a tattoo salt. on his face. He's a seagull man. Uh, I don't know what else. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, he really broke it down. So, uh, <laughs> the biography. Right. <laughs> and, like and now Angus Young yeah. is, uh, he told him to quit he, pissing in his pocket. He was in a coma. He pissed in Angus's pocket. He's got a tattoo on his face and he's a seagull man. <laughs> Thin. Well, I'm glad that he did. And a White Walker. Yeah, and a White Walker. Yeah, that was, I'm glad he didn't actually piss in his pocket, though. And in Mastodon. That's probably what is the best part about him. No, thank yeah, you, Pete. You think? Wow. No, I, I really you, you like that You think that, that we'd be talking Brent about Hines. him if he was just a White Walker on Game of Thrones? <laughs> or, or just a guy with a tattoo on his face? You think that we'd be talking about him? We'd be like, hey, have you guys heard of this guy, Brett Hines? He's an extra. Yeah. <laughs> mm. no. yeah the, the extra. Yeah. <laughs> he answered the casting call like a brave American. Uh, next thing that happened in the news, big news, great news. We're f- huge fans of Behemoth. Uh, they released a song this week, and uh, they announced their new record. But I want to talk about the song title. Okay. <laughs> the song is called Dog Equals God. Mm. That's the title of the song. The song's great. You should hear it. But like when you hear that title. P equals ETEP. 
<laughs> I mean, no. That, that's bad on your part. <laughs> what? Nine, bro. So anyways, the point is... <laughs> Opposite is, of nine. Is it just me or is it like... You ever like feel like, hey, I might be over... I, I might be getting too old for a band. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 100%. And then you hear something like, oh, it's, it's, it's I'm sorry, it's God equals dog, not dog equals God. Oh, that, I that makes a difference. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so you hear not, that, Todd, and you're the like, first oh, one, dude. not blasphemous. No. That completely changes yeah, the meaning. Exactly. Well, I mean, come on. Maybe he just really likes his dog. But yeah, do you guys think that that, that title just screams like 13-year-olds? Well, again, this Great goes song. back to what we were talking about last week when... You, you know, people crucified. just, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like, you're just trying. A little it's just like, hard. as the world becomes more and more atheistic, it starts to feel less metal to just be like, yeah, pissing on the word of God. Like, it's like, everyone's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. It'd be like me talking down about like, I don't know, like the Cleveland Cavaliers or something. Like, so 1982. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, everyone's like, yeah, that's just a team. Some people like, right, right. like it's not a big deal. Mm. Especially the Cleveland Cavaliers now yeah. with no LeBron. You know? <laughs> yeah. hey, hey, they re-signed Kevin Love <laughs> for a crazy, stupid contract. But that's sports. This is metal. The Here's the love thing. equals evolve. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Pete. Nine. Now you're getting it. Nine. Now you're getting it. <laughs> my point Eat is, in. my point is, is that it's not. It's just not like edgy when everyone's like, "Yeah, we're cool. It's okay. Like right. it's fine. Like we don't. We're not upset about it." I remember the first. This is time. no one is upset. Everyone. Nobody's talking about how how this is blasphemous and like clutching their Bibles. Everyone's like, "This title's kind of lazy." Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> it's a lazy title. Yeah, that's what I felt. I'm like, this is so lazy. I'll tell you, and when, the song is great, and it's like. Dude, God equals dog. It's not the metal <laughs> reaction you want. You don't want people to go, eh, come on. Well, this is this is when I started to, like, when all of a sudden my eyes stopped, like, raising when I saw something that was so crazy blasphemous. We were at Black Sabbath years ago, and uh, all of a sudden, maybe four rows in front of me, there's a guy, he's wearing a shirt, and on the back, all it says is, Jesus is a cunt. And when you see that, you're That's like... That's the Cradle of Phil shirt. It's yeah, yeah. Shirt, yeah. You're just like, hmm. You see that, you're like, hmm, where do you go from there? Yeah. You know, like, where do you go from there? It's already been done. Yeah. It's just been done, and it just feels like, it doesn't feel like it gets the, the reaction they're looking for is people being like, oh, that's the music of the devil. And everyone's yeah. just like, okay, well, do you have poetry you want to read us? We don't know. Why there are is, you so bummed out? There like, is nothing worse than when you are trying to be shocking, and then everyone's <laughs> like, mm, no. That was, <laughs> I know, yeah. Whoa, that's silly. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, yeah. Don't you feel, Whoa. I feel a little bit like if, they were in the room right now we'd be like those parents when like your kid shows you a terrible drawing and you're like oh, what is it is it a is it a blasphemous metal album no it's oh, a dog but he's trying oh, to be I god see it. oh i see it it's so good <laughs> it's god equals dog Look. you're so good or god, yeah god, is it god equals dog or do yeah god who equals cares dog. yeah fits uh, either way you can probably flip-flop it mm -hmm. yeah i mean the meaning is the same and it's silly either way yeah <laughs> take it away etep <laughs> <laughs> All right. This September, Revocation released their new album, The Outer Ones, via Metal Blade Records. The Outer Ones sees Revocation pushing both the death metal and progressive elements of their signature sound harder than ever and can be pre-ordered now at metalblade.com slash revocation. Be sure to also catch the band on the road this fall for their first USA headlining tour in several years featuring Exhumed, Rivers of Nile, and Yatua. As support. Guys, make sure you pick up the Auto Ones. Pre-order it now. It's coming out September. Revocation's latest album. And with that, guys, here is my interview with Blasco. Everybody, what is going on? It's uh, Petter with Metal Sucks, dude, on the phone. 
I got Blasco. Uh, we can talk about so many things, Blasco, with your career, but <laughs> we are focusing on your your new podcast, A New Level, which is out on the Jabberjaw Network right now. This uh, this podcast is 10 episodes. You released it as a series. So what I did is, uh, of course, I listened to the entire uh, podcast. And what I do when I listen to podcasts is I always talk at like my headphones. I'm like, oh, dude, because I want to be part of the conversation. So what I did with this specific episode is each episode, I have 10 questions for you, and I'm going to have that conversation with you. <laughs> okay, perfect. So sweet, man. I, so. I, should, have been, I should have been prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I know you live those episodes, but yeah, the memory, I'm the same way, dude. I'll do an episode. I'll be like, well, did I say that? <laughs> so, totally. You know, what, what's interesting is, is that, so, so for anyone that doesn't know the, the podcast that in question, so I... I interview people and I give them all the same t- 10 questions, but I do send those questions to these people in advance so that they can prepare their answers, right? And all of the 10 interviews, only one person actually read the questions and had prepared interview and, and had prepared answers. And that went so smooth, right? And then like the other ones, oh, they were great, but it's like, I had to edit out a lot of like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think of, I don't, I don't have a quick answer for that one, you know? And so, it's, it's funny it, when you say that because that's noticeable because your last question, people sh- didn't have the answer ready. And they're like, stumped. No. It's a stumper. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, you, a, it's a stumper. So uh, it, I, I do have a prepared answer for that question for myself, by the way. So. Ooh, we, you know what? I have 10 for you. We might hit you up with 11. I'm going to have you ask me that question, and then I'll hit back at you. But let's start, guys. Episode one yeah. of the podcast is with Brian Slagle. And a conversation that I really wanted to jump in is that you stated as a music fan and consumer, you've been more excited because you have access to so much what is the negative of having access to so much content and music all the time? I'll give you a specific example. I mean, I'm 48, so I so when I was around in the MTV era, right? And the MTV era era was very robust. But I was thinking about this the other day when MTV and terrestrial radio at that time were the only gatekeepers. So, and and what I mean by that is that. You know, there's only so much time in the day and there's only so many videos that MTV could play. But by and large, bands that got heavy rotation on MTV became very successful bands, right? Like if you like, let's just say, for instance, Def Leppard, Def Leppard at the height of MTV sold more records than they ever did ever in their career, right? Now, can you attribute that to MTV? I think you can. And so, but I also think you can because there was only a select few gatekeepers and there was millions of people that listened to terrestrial radio and millions of people that watched MTV. And that was where you absorbed your music. Now you could take dudes like me that also went deep in the underground and found other stuff, right? But the by and large pop culture, that's where they got their music. So because there was such a siloed event of of this gatekeeper, right? There was only so much music and that music became really popular now. So the long winded answer to your question is what's the drawback of having access to everything is that you level the playing field, right? So instead of, instead of, you know, instead of 10 bands making $10 each, you now have a hundred bands making a dollar each. Does that make sense? Yeah. For, for me as a consumer, I'll say this is that 
I don't want everything. Does that make sense? I feel overwhelmed because I know, and this is a new feeling, I know in this day and age, I'm missing great stuff. Where back in the day, I never felt that way. You know, I really felt like, hey, I can find everything. But now I think I'm missing great stuff all the time. And it kind of makes it a little, um, there's an anxiety to it opposed to, hey, man, I got the new D. Snyder record. I'm living with this for a week. Nothing else is going to mess with me. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, and that that is it's like I have to retrain myself not to segue away from that record or whatever record I'm currently listening to. But the consumer rules and everything. Yes, dude, you can sell that to me on, uh, you know, put me put 15 year old me in, in a room and say, hey, you can just type in uh, the phrase uh, periphery and listen to six records at once. OK, give me all 17 overkill records right now. They probably have 25. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's yeah. what you want at 17 and 15. So I totally get that, man. Now, to segue to the second question here, what in your life in history do you think is on the way out of the music industry, but you feel is undeniably cool? And you would actually invest in surviving through these ages. Uh, well, vinyl is on a comeback, which is great. Which means that uh, you know record players have had a second life, which is also great. I don't know. I mean, because when I think of that, like I don't think tape trading will come back. I don't think fanzines will come back. At least not in the traditional sense. I don't think you know, people making physical flyers and going to record stores and putting them in there and standing in front of shows. And I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I wish I knew, but, um, you know, predictably, I, I, you know, from, from that era of, uh, I think we just move forward, you know, um, vinyl is an anomaly, but in a lot of ways, vinyl makes sense because it's like in terms of a physical form of music, there is nothing cooler than an album. So if, you know, I got to put myself in the position of the consumer, whereas if everything is so conveniently on my phone and accessible, but the few things that I want to own physical product that I'm going to, you know, that I'm going to pre-order, I'm going to order or or whatever, it's going to be the limited edition devil gatefold purple marble vinyl. Like it's going to be that it's not going to be a CD. You know, it's not, it's not going to be a laser disc. It's, 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 it's going to be vinyl. So is that, is that why that came back in, in, in such a strong form? Probably. And will continue to sort of dominate the, the physical form of music. Yeah, I, I think so. But aside from that, it's, I don't know. I, I honestly, I wish I knew because I would invest in that. <laughs> you know, I believe rock and roll, honest to God, a print magazine. I believe in a couple ages from now, it, it can it can have a comeback. Not a zine, but like a professional and guys only doing interviews via that way. I, I feel like there's people in the industry that can bring back like the the power of the Rolling Stone magazine. That's what I feel. Now, what would be how, how would that how would like it would have to be very exclusive content. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. exactly what I think. I think that if, if you keep it exclusive and be like, this is the only interview from this person, people will be like, I want to get a copy of that. And I mean, I know you can put it on the internet and people can transcribe it, but in a way I feel it's, it's possible now again, if it's, yeah, if it's done well, you're, I think you're right. Going on to the third question. And you've said this throughout the, the podcast, a new level. Why do you feel you should only trust people in the music business that started in a band? <laughs> you know, that's something that I didn't start with, but 
came out of the podcast. Like it just became a theme. It became a reoccurring theme. I think that first came up on Ryan Downey's episode. And, you know, as you know, like it, the order that I put them, uh, the, the order that they are isn't the order that they were done. So the Ryan Downey episode was actually the first episode that I recorded. And it came out of that and then just became a theme throughout. But I just think it's interesting whenever you think of all these people that, you know, a bulk of them did start as a musician. And I believe like just understanding what that's like, because you can't you can't explain the feeling that you get whenever you're in a garage with your friends and you play that first song for the first time properly all the way through. The feeling that you get at the end of that momentous occasion is undescribable. It's like it's like nothing else there ever is. And that's why people become so addicted to playing music and so obsessive about being in a band and playing music and, and, and you know, chasing their dreams or whatever. It's just because it's this feeling that you, that you can't explain. So, you know, what's interesting is, you know, a, a lot of people, um, interviews that I haven't even done yet, just people that I know all started playing music first and it just transpires into them working in the music business. So I just felt that it was an interesting uh, idea that came up. Do you feel in order to accelerate your career in music, you have to be more than a musician in this day and age? Uh, well, I mean, I can speak for myself, you know, <laughs> that, that, that I do. I mean, I, it, it's, I couldn't be just the bass player in Ozzy's band. I mean, I could, um, but I think I would just be bored to tears, you know, because what would I be doing right now if I wasn't talking to you? I wouldn't be on tour. I wouldn't be making a record. I'd just be waiting around to go on tour at the end of August, you know? So, you know, I, I feel like that there's so much more opportunity now that we have so much more access to do more things that it, it, it kind of only makes sense. I'm not going to say that you have to ha do 10 different things at once and have multiple streams of income. I mean, I think that there's something to be said about putting all of your eggs in one basket as well. Um, but I can only speak from my own experience that, um, you know, I couldn't just be some heavy metal hired gun bass player guy, like not, not financially or mentally. Could I just be an all, you know, eggs all in one basket guy? Um, you know, I like doing a bunch of different, I like waking up every day and kind of not knowing what my day, what's going to transpire throughout my day. Um, you know, I get up and I go to work, you know, just like everybody else, but my work today involves talking to you, which is different than yesterday, you know? So, um, for me, I believe that to be the case and for people like me, but you know, it's not for everybody. For a younger musician that's moving up in the ladder of things, um, it would only be helpful, though, if they learned all these different steps and tried all these different things. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, you know, there's no, in the music business, there's no, there's no degree that you have to get, right? Like you, you, you or me, we go, oh, you know what? I want to be a podcaster. And you know what it takes to be a podcaster? Not a lot. You know, like by doing other things and, and educating yourselves and getting in there and really finding out how how things work is sort of really the, the college of reality that puts you in, that helps you put this, this business in perspective. Um, since there is no real education and there is no degree you have to get and there is no school, 
it's, you know, it's seemingly logical that getting in there and just doing it is the only way that you're going to learn because you're definitely not going to come out of the gate and do it perfectly first. You know, your first podcast episode or anything you've ever done first, you've certainly got better at it over time. And, 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 and I got to think that it's the same way in music. You're, the first song you ever wrote isn't the best song that you're ever going to write, you know? A hundred percent. Yeah. Agreed. A thousand percent on that. I think that's with any kind of comedy. If you want to be a professional wrestler, you don't get these degrees. You have to just go out there and learn, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. athletes, yeah. all that stuff. You're right, man. There's nothing, uh, there's, uh, nothing with that, that passion that can be taught. It just has to be kind of, uh, a craft you got to do it yeah you just yeah gotta do it, you man. got you got you got to do it i mean that you can't no one can tell you how to rock and roll you just got to go do it and you know find out what works best for you the the conversation of who's going to be the next headliners is is a constant thing you know and you, you know you're a manager you you're in the scene you see a lot of things are there un, any bands that are under 30 right now that have that headlining potential it's tough, right? Because whenever you, whenever we, you know, debate this amongst ourselves here in the, you know, in the industry, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting conversation because you go like, take, take download for instance, right? Download festival in the UK, you know, a hundred thousand people on a weekend, right? With, the, with three days of heavy metal madness. Whenever the Ozzy Osbourne and Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and, and, and all those major headliners retire and you, you know, pass, pass on, who are, they, who are they passing the torch to, right? I mean, the, in some respects, there's the, the five-finger death punches and Avenged Sevenfolds that are, that are there. I mean, even, even Avenged Sevenfold, like we just did a, a slew of festivals and Avenged Sevenfold was, was, uh, was in a headlining spot on you know, a couple of these days. Or whatever. So they their position to take that spot. Now, does that mean that there's still a hundred thousand people showing up, even though Avenged Sevenfold isn't as big of a brand as say a Black Sabbath or an Iron Maiden? You know, are, are the fans still there? Or is it that download just becomes a festival that has seventy-five thousand people? You know, are 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 less people showing up? Or are they still loyal to the scene regardless of the size of the headliner? You know, and, and obviously no one has the answers. You know, we, we don't know. But it's, it, it's, it's safe to say that there isn't another Iron Maiden ready on deck to take place of Iron Maiden when they retire. Um, just like there isn't a Black Sabbath on deck to take place of them when, you know, now that they're retired. You know, you, you don't feel you don't feel that the time period of bands stepping up like in, 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 you know, at this point, like I feel like Ghost is going to be they're They're going to become one of those headliners. I don't know if Greta Von Fleet is going to become a headliner. I mean, clearly, they're probably one of the most successful rock bands in the last couple years to come up and, and do what they're doing. Um, and we don't see that as much. I mean, you know. There used to be like 10 to 20 Greta Von Fleets a year. Now we've got one. And but are are they are they going to propel themselves into headlining download on a Saturday status? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, but I think Ghost can. But 
you know, who knows, man? It's, 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 you know, it's a tough question and it's, and it's, it's a tough question for the fan as well. Like, you know, do they show up or are, are they loyal or are they staying at home playing Xbox? I agree. Now, do you think there's a big, here's, here's what I've noticed in the times of the music is that back in the, I don't want to say back in the day, but about 30 years ago, a debut record would have a huge impact but now it's more like the third or fourth record by the bands. And then a lot of, a lot more resources will go into them. Like they have to prove themselves a lot more these days to get kind of a push, you know, from people to believe in them. So they have to actually have to prove themselves almost on their own before like a huge label support and push. Where back in the day, they were, they were, they were, the push was behind Skid Row record one, boom, let's go, you know, let's just put all our eggs right here at this band. Do you think that that, climate has a, a lot to do with the the headliners like you said ghost is is primed for it but they're four or five records in you know yeah but i don't i mean i see both sides of it like i, I i've experienced what you're talking about but on the other hand like you know metallica and slayer you know they didn't you know they, they, it took them r- records to get to that point mm-hmm. um you know multiple records you know they didn't come out of the gates on show no mercy and kill them all like you know, headlining festivals like they, they didn't. It took them it took them years. And so I, I see both sides of it. And, and, and it's just a, it's just a case by case basis. You know, I mean, um, you know, at the time, whenever labels were putting a lot of uh, momentum behind these bands, it was it was a different era. There was a lot more, you know, the, the music industry was very robust. You, you had that time period of of vinyl changing over to cds so you had all these consumers that had built up their vinyl collection and now they have to rebuild their cd collection right where they're buying the same records multiple times in multiple formats you know they already bought it in vinyl but now they got to buy it in cassette because they can play it in their car now they got to buy it on a cd because they could play it on their their you know their walkman or also in their car or on the on the boom box and and whatever so you had all this you know, you had all this consumption of, of the physical product. Um, and it was, it was just a different era because there was so much money. So labels could, could either sink a bunch of money into, you know, coming out of the gate super quick, or they could afford the time to build a band over the course of multiple records and really develop them and grow them. Both those, both those things happened, but you know, the, the, the commerce really isn't there. And in a lot of ways, it's the responsibility is way more so than ever before on the bands themselves to do their own groundswell and build their fan bases. And then at that point, when, you know, labels and managers can step in, it's like we're just throwing some more gasoline on the fire that the bands have already created. Um, So, you know, we're just living in a different era. Um, and, and it's a challenge for everybody. It's a challenge for the managers, labels, and, you know, the bands themselves. It's certainly, you know, not as, not as easy as it once was, but, you know, we roll with the punches and we keep on going. And, you know, certainly there's no, you know, there's no less people wanting to be rock stars, man. You know, they're, they're they're still out there, you know, they still want to, they still want to get out there and, and, and rock for the, for the masses, you know? So, um, it's, uh, it's it's interesting. We know we're living in an interesting time. I gotta say, a hundred percent, man. And I mean, you you guys go over that in the podcast so well that you there's just so many avenues that you guys do talk about. Uh, one thing that I did like is that there was a conversation about uh, an artist being tenacious. Like tenacity is a commodity for an artist in this industry. Like them refusing to give up on a dream and 
and keep fighting for it. Um, how important is that, or is content more important? Like, is, is an artist's drive more important to get them to where they need to be, or does the work have to be special? It all, it all does. I mean, you know, I got that from Henry Rollins. I remember him saying, like, he's like, look, I'm not talented. Like, I'm just tenacious. Like, I, I, I have tenacity. I don't have talent. And that always stuck with me because when you think about it, when you think about like pop culture of like the voice or American idol, right? Uh, like all my favorite guys growing up, like, uh, you know, like David Lee Roth or, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, um, you, you know, Brian Johnson, uh, Bon Scott, like all these dudes couldn't even be a finalist on these shows, right? But they're the biggest singers in the world you know, in, 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 in the genre and, you know, talent wise, they're not at the level of a voice or an American idol level type of singer. Right. But how many people from those shows went on to have careers at the level of the people that we grew up with and the people that inspired us to want to be in this music, in this genre, right? Like it's, it's totally different. So I think now the content is also important. I mean, when you look at, you know, when you look at these SoundCloud rapper guys, for instance, it's like, you know, they're the new rock stars in a lot of ways and they understand the, the, the climate and the, and the culture that we're living in and they really know how to work their content. And, you know, once again, like, I, I feel like it's the same thing. Like, you know, these, these are not the most technically talented kids in the world, but, they're certainly very driven, very tenacious, and know how to work it. And they understand they understand their fan base. They understand where their fan base is, and and it, it's all important, man. I mean, like being being driven is only going to get you so far if you don't understand how to communicate with your fans or with potential fans, because there is no there is no business without fans you know you, you can't you can't build a rock and roll business if there's no fans i mean it's like no matter how good you are if no one likes it then it doesn't exist <laughs> you know so it's it, it's anyway my long-winded point is it's all important understanding the 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 enti entirety of what it is that we're trying to do here this is like you have to you have to know what that is you know it's interesting like i had this conversation before where is like sports for instance right it is the most successful guys in sports are also the most talented guys but if you look at like entertainment like music or acting the most successful guys aren't necessarily the most talented guys you know the most the most talented shakespearean actor isn't johnny depp <laughs> you know what i mean you know, and 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 uh, and you know, like Kurt Cobain, for instance, not the most talented technically singer guitar player ever. However, created a musical revolution. You know, and um, and 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 I just think I, I have no point of observing that other than I just think it's interesting. I agree, man. No, I I agree. You never you never know until it's it's happening. You know. You're kind of yeah. like, okay, wow, now I get it. But you, you can never see it coming. It, it's, it's, it's one of the excitements of entertainment, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, For sure. An, another, another point you did bring up on, on the show is that um, getting a, a record contractor or a record label behind you, there was a sense of validation and accomplishment for a band whenever that happened. But these days, 
is it worth what it was back in the day, that validation? Or is it smarter for a band to just really focus on uh, DIY? What do you think about that? Uh, I I also believe that it's a case-by-case basis, mm. but interesting that uh, I had this very conversation with um, a guy yesterday who's a friend and, you know, he's got a band, he's working it up and, and, um, and he wrote me and he's like, Hey man, like, uh, I, we got this, this offer from this European label. Can you look at it and let me know what you think? And it was like, you know, some really small indie in Europe and, and was offering them a deal and, you know, there was like no money in it. And it was like, you know, well, we'll put your record out and we'll, we'll take this from you. And da, 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 da. And I was like, and I wrote him back and I was like, why would you like, why would you sign this? Like, I don't, I don't understand like what exactly, like there's no, he's not even giving you any money, but he's taking a piece of your art for what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. So I got on the phone with him and, and, and I'm like, I don't understand what it is about this that you think is beneficial. And he's like, well, you know, you need a label. And, da, da, da. and I go, you do? Like, I, 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 I find that hard to believe. I go, this is a European record label, but you live in Los Angeles. Is there a plan to get to Europe to build up your base in Europe to, that was going to motivate someone to walk into a record store to find your record to buy it? Like, is that all part of the big plan? Or is this just a vanity play? Are you just looking at the validation to make yourself feel good about it in that, oh, this European guy that owns a record label likes our music too, so that makes me feel good about what it is that we're doing. And, he, and admittedly, he was kind of like, yeah, like there's, there's something to that, you know. But <clears throat> look, it, but it's too, it's too early, you know. It's, it, 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 it's like <clears throat> I feel like people do need to feel a sense of validation in that like – you know, you want to say like, oh, we have a record label. Oh, we have a manager. There's someone else that believes in our music as much as we do. Therefore, it's justified what we're doing. And like, I just, I think that that's no longer a way that young unsigned bands should be thinking. I think that the only other people that should validate them is a fan base because a fan base is the only thing that then is going to generate a manager and a label. And then in the situation that you get there, if you've already built a fan base, then you have the value and you have the leverage to make the deal work for you. Once again, like go back to my buddy's thing, this guy wasn't, this label wasn't offering them any money to make a record. And yet he was taking a percentage of their art. I don't like, I just don't understand that. Like, why are you giving a piece of your art away whenever he's not offering you anything like it just doesn't make sense to me so like i believe that a young band should be diy to the point to where they can't handle it anymore and any bands that i've worked with on a managerial level like that's how it started because it just it they, it became out of their control. There was already a fan base there. They were booking shows. They were, they were touring. They were, they were getting label offers, you know, and, and it just became too out of their control. But in a situation like that, me stepping in, I'm stepping on a, on a moving train and, and it just makes more sense. But if you don't have 
any leverage in a situation, then you're stuck like my buddy's band where like someone's taking a piece of your art and you're not getting anything for it other than a hugely expensive trip to go to Europe for what reason, you know, like why do you want to be a band that has to buy onto a tour? And like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, being in the music industry, you're a music life for Blasco, you know, so what part of your personality do you feel you had to change in order to be successful in the music industry and networking? I am really lucky in that I got a start so early in my, you know, like my career started in high school. Um, you, you know, I was in Cryptic Slaughter and Cryptic Slaughter got signed to Metal Blade Records in 1985. And in 1985, I was 15 years old. I, I, by the time I graduated high school, we had put out three records and I had toured the country, you know, like it's, 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 I'm, I'm in a unique situation to where I just rolled with that momentum and just, you know, like it's interesting, right? Cause when you talk about networking here, I am whatever, 30 some years later and I'm doing a podcast and one of the first calls I make is to Brian Slagle who signed my band whenever I was in high school, you know, like I'm almost 50 now, you know, and, and, uh, and so to have a network of people that have lasted over that period of time, I'm very fortunate, you know, like I never, I never got off the boat. Like I was always, I was always involved I was always in, you know, I was always in the mix. You know, I, I live in L.A., um, you, you know, the bulk of, of the heavy metal business was born out of L.A. or birthed out of L.A., you know, in, in a lot of ways. And so I was just kind of always in the mix and, and always doing stuff. So I always needed to, I always ran into these people at shows. And, and it just it just kind of snowballs and, and builds over the course of time. And you know, someone introduces you to someone else and then you do some business and then that, you know, translates into something else and you do some more business. And, and as long as you're in it, it just keeps rolling. Like, I don't, I don't know any different. Like if I started, you know, if technically I started my career at 15 years old, here I am at 48 and not much has really changed, dude. Like I'm still (laughs) playing, I'm still playing, heavy metal music in front of people and hanging out with a lot of the same people and, you know, doing a lot of the same shit, <laughs> you know, like not, not a lot has changed. That, that's gotta be awesome, man. I, I wish yeah. I had that same story. <laughs> I know, <laughs> man. I, I had to weed out a lot of Fred's going up. I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I can't do that anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. But a uh, couple more questions. And like, I just want to reiterate to everyone, all these questions, guys, these are conversations on a new level podcast that Blasco's having with all these industry people. Um, So make sure you guys subscribe. Give it a five-star review. I did already. Just hook it up, man. Make sure you guys follow this thing. So a couple more questions, same thing, off of the New Level podcast. One thing that was talked about a lot was uh, in one of the episodes was tribalism in the 80s between like heavy metal versus punk rock versus this versus that. What was the dangers of having that kind of music? And is there anything or that kind of scene and is there anything positive from having kind of uh, uh, that tribalism? There was a lot of like punk rock gangs. I grew up in L.A. and and from what I understand, there was there was a lot of similar situations going on on the East Coast as well. There was a lot of violence in the scene, um, and 
I don't exactly know why, other than then it was just sort of fresh and and unregulated, if you will. Um, a lot of these clubs weren't like proper clubs that we were playing in, you know, in the early days, like in the eighties and stuff. Like it wasn't like we were playing the whiskey a go go. Like we were playing like some converted like recreation center, you know, that some guy rented a PA and threw it in there, and and like there was it didn't it didn't it felt like in some ways like you know anarchy like <laughs> you know like it was just it was just a, it was it was just a different time and and um it it's it's almost funny to think of now like to think of like a punk rock gang like when you think of the seriousness of something like the bloods and the crips or like an ms13 when you think of like the depth of criminality that goes into like an actual gang to have like a punk rock gang or heavy metal gang is fucking hilarious right like yeah. we, go, we go to we go to gigs and we rule the pit or whatever it's just fucking laughable right like na- like now in hindsight you know uh, uh, um you know comparatively to you know real shit out there but um i don't know i think it was just a sign of the times uh, of, of, of a coming of age of, you know, something sort of young and volatile and combustible and, and, and whatnot. And, um, yeah. I, I think that it, it made us all who we were, to be honest, like to go to a, to go to a gig as a long hair guy, to go to a bad brains gig with long hair and just be like, Hmm, I might get my ass kicked tonight for no reason other than I have long hair. Like I'm a Hesher at a, punk gig <laughs> you know what i mean and and uh it was it was just a but it, but i think that it kind of toughened us all up you know and it, it made us it, it made us kind of i don't know it just it, it thickened us up a lot so was it negative i mean yeah i mean in hindsight it was it was negative energy um but it was nothing that like i thought was like bad it just kind of was what it was and it, it just I mean, when you when you think when you look back on the on the cool factor of uh, you know the the early days of you know crossover and stuff, and um, it's just like you know I don't know, man. It's it's hard to explain. You know, there there was certain things that like crossed over. Like you could be a punker and a metal and and a Hesher, and you and Motorhead was okay. Like you know what I mean? You you could have you could be we we all got along at. A motorhead gig or we all got along like at a slayer gig like there was no diversity like there was there was a commonality between certain things to where punkers and meddlers could coexist and uh but yeah that's all gone now mm-hmm. you know i mean for the longest time like you know like growing up in la i've seen slayer since show no mercy like i've you know i've been seeing them play clubs and you know excel um over their entire career and it was pro- it probably was almost 10 years into their career where a band could actually open for them and not get booed off stage or shit thrown at them or whatever like it was so gnarly and you talked to Metallica in the early days too like it was there was a lot of infighting there was a, there was a lot of elitism and i don't know what what that all stemmed from but like in hindsight like it feels like it was you know feels like it was kind of cool because we all we all you know made our way out the uh, uh out the other side but yeah i don't know man like it it was negative yes but did it serve a purpose yes was there a record there? that you hid from your friends that you listened to in, in in silence because of how that tribalism was that if your friends found out they'd beat you up for 
Oh yeah, without a doubt, we all we all did. <laughs> like every everybody had their visible record collection, and everybody had their hidden record collection. That was the that was the Scorpions and Van Halen and Led Zeppelin. Like you know what I mean? Like you, you hid all that shit like away from your friends for sure. Like everybody everybody did though. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, last question: um, being content in the music industry as someone that that works in an industry as tough as this is. Is that the death of you or do you, you have Definitely. to always stay on your toes? You do. Yes. I mean, you, you cannot get comfortable. Not, no way. Not now. Are you kidding me? I mean, think about how fast in the digital era, think about how fast we're moving. I mean, if you, it's like, it's like you were saying earlier, there's so much content out there. You feel like you miss stuff, right? Because not only is there more music than you can even endure to try and listen to, right? Think of, think of the fan. Think of the kid today, right? That you, you, know, you go to school and you come back and then you have all the, the rest of the day to focus on whatever entertainment you want to take in you know, to yourself or whatever. Think of what's competing. You have all this music that you can listen to. You have video games. You have porno. Like you have, you have podcasts. You have YouTube. I mean, it's overwhelming, right? The amount of 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 good content, even that's out there, that is competing for your time. I mean, think of all the music that you're missing, but think of all this other shit that you're missing, right? Like you can't listen to every band that you want to listen to and certainly not a whole record all the way through you can't you can't listen to every podcast from every podcast that you you know you can't listen to every podcast episode from every podcast that you follow you know you can't you can't finish every level on every video game you can't you just it's impossible to keep up so how where is there time to be content with anything like you, you know what i mean like we're all we're all struggling to you know stay afloat in this business and and certainly writing 10 songs and putting it on an album and putting that out every 2 years that is no longer the game my friend like it it's just not the world we're living in you know and yeah you 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 cannot rest and you cannot be content there is no, at least not from my perspective you know and anybody that is please call me and email me and let me know how that works because I, I want to get in on that. Like I, I, I wouldn't mind chilling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, granted I wake up and I do what I love to do every day, but keep in mind that I get up at six 30 in the morning and feed my cats and then walk to my office and start jamming and, 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 and cranking on emails and making careers happen for people. And, doing, you know, building my own career, talking to someone like you do, you know, doing interviews, getting interviews for all the artists that I work with, you know, and, and stuff like, man, like my day is 24 seven, you know, by the time I go to bed, like I'm, I, I pass out cause I'm fucking exhausted. Not because it's like, Oh, it's time to go to bed now. No, <laughs> like it's for as long as I can hang out and stay up and grind. And then it's just lights out because it's just, I cannot, stay awake a, a wink longer, you know? Um, so yes, content is, is certainly the, the death as far as I'm concerned from my perspective. Ah, dude, I agree. 
That's I, I I get more trouble from my lady from falling asleep at movies at night. That's I can't even stay awake anymore. <laughs> right? I'll pick I, the movie. Happens. You know, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, let's watch this documentary, like Death by Metal. I just got this in the mail. Let's watch this. Twenty minutes, I'm out. She's like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> yeah, yes. dude, that's I feel you. Yeah, dude, I completely with you. So, uh, with that, man, Blasco, I'm gonna steal a question from the show. What is your super group, man? So I've given this a lot of thought. And when you, when you listen to, so anyone that doesn't know, so I, I interview, I interview people in the business. And the last question is what is your living or dead? What would be your ultimate super group? Right. And so I, have, I ask everybody this question and, and it's a stumper. If you're not prepared, I fortunately am prepared. So, um, uh, there was a Tony Iommi solo record that he did a while back and it was a silver album cover and it was a black Iomi logo in the middle. I don't know if anybody remembers it, but, but, uh, and, and now what was on there is he wrote all the music and he had all these different singers on there. And the first track was Henry Rollins, you know, and, and it was like a banger of a, of an Iomi track. Right. And, and so that inspires me to go like, I know what that sounds like. And that sounds fucking awesome. So Tony Iommi is the guitar player. Henry Rollins is the singer, right? Now, the drummer is Dave Grohl because how exceptional is Dave Grohl as a drummer? However, the Probot record, right? I don't know if you're familiar with the Probot record, mm-hmm. but Dave wrote all the music and had all these different singers on there. And it's fucking awesome. And to me, people might, you know, poo-poo on Dave because he's a pussy because he's in Foo Fighters or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, he's a great songwriter and an amazing drummer as well as a great singer. So think of think of already what I'm building, right? An amazing band with an amazing foundation of amazing songwriters. And here I have Henry as the front man, but Grohl as a dude who can actually sing, right? So you can bring that element into it when you need to. Then Lemmy is the bass player, of course, because now I've got three singers and I have three songwriters. And think about how cool it would be to Lemmy, what Lemmy would do on an Iomi riff. Like, how does that work? Right. And then I've got John Lord from Deep Purple on keyboards or, or, or on the Hammond. Right. Because how heavy is it whenever John Lord doubles a Blackmore riff? You know, like it, it like, and so like, I want to, I want to know what that sounds like. I want to know what John Lord doubling in an Iomi riff with Lemmy backing it up and all these dudes coming together to write songs. And then I've got the three singers in there. Wow. That would be the heaviest thing I could possibly think of. <laughs> That's an amazing band. You know, what's crazy is I was thinking when I was thinking about the question for myself, I was like, no, I want it to make sense and see yours make sense. You know, where it's yes. like when people were saying certain people, certain people, I'm like, I don't understand how that would work right there, you know? That's exactly yeah. that's exactly how I was saying. Like, I would love to see Mike Patton with Les Claypool, but I don't know if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it makes sense. It does. No, that too. makes sense. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. I was thinking like Mike Patton with Justin Chancellor from Tool, like for some reason, and then get the groove in there. Like you'd have like Pepper and like Tim Salt from Clutch, like those two. But keyboard wide, I think Josh Silver from Typo Negative is really underrated. I really like what he used to do. 
yeah yeah wise and then drum wise matt cameron i don't know why every time i ever seen matt cameron play it's like i he just i feel like my heart's beating faster you know he's a monster yeah uh he, he's a monster and and what's cool about him is he's not so precise like he's got like a very dangerous looseness to his feel with given the the right situation could be very monstrous you know as like like soundgarden for instance like monstrous because of the way that he plays drums you know it's like a he's like a like a a, a bonham or a bill ward yes. like almost in, in his diversity and his dangerousness you know um Completely. so yeah man i, I feel you cool man so blasco just want to say one more time uh everybody check it out a new level podcast it is out now search it review it rate it subscribe 10 episode series i i listen to it all in one sitting i'm sure you guys will too because you just keep going but uh dude i want to thank you so much for calling into the metal sucks podcast hell yeah thanks for having me man this is super awesome i appreciate it
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Doesn't matter if it's punk, metal, or rock. Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest. Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the artists. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys, and we are back. A uh, couple uh, songs we played for you. The first song is the latest from the Agony scene. They put out their first record in 11 years. It's called Tormentor. That song is called The Ascent and Decline. Second song you heard is a standalone single from Islander. That song is called My Friends, and it's featuring Eric from I Prevail. And with that, guys, I uh, just want to thank everybody. We keep seeing these five-star reviews pop up out of nowhere on iTunes. You guys mean the world to us. And um, Do we hate you? Nine. Nine. Nine, we do not. Nine, Nine volume. <laughs> what? <laughs> Till next week, my friends. Metal Sucks over and out. The Metal Sucks podcast is signing off.
This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.